host, Cassandra Thorpe. I'm here with Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen Sr. of uh, Mountain Zion Baptist Church. That's long. Is that yeah. all on your business card? No, not at all. <laughs> and we are going to talk about uh, uh, Sermon 3 of 3 in the Dare to Do Different series. And we're talking about Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, where we have a paraplegic man who gets lowered down into a house and Jesus heals him as well as forgives him of his sins. But we'll dive deeper into that. So, Pastor, welcome. Thank you. Good to have you. Thank you, CT. You look good. Appreciate it. You're making things happen for me, you know. <laughs> had to put on this uh, rep for, rep for Malzahn you know, on these videos and stuff you all have me doing. You got to let them know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us uh, what's going on here in the text of Mark. Like, where are we at? So, in Mark is a very interesting gospel. Um it is unlike any of the other gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, Mark is included in the synoptic gospels, mm -hmm. which means similar to stories. Uh, Matthew and Luke, they start with the genealogy or the bloodline of Jesus and then the birth of Jesus. John starts in eternity, saying the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Mm -hmm. And then the Word became flesh. But Mark starts with ministry. Okay. He jumps right into the action of Jesus' life. Um, no, um, he does not jump into Jesus being born. He jumps into Jesus being baptized okay. in the Jordan River, and then after that, continuing in his ministry. So he starts probably around twenty-nine or thirty-year-old mm -hmm. Jesus. So that's that's Mark, and um, and his, and if you read his. Gospel is full of action, mm -hmm. story after story, miracle after miracle. It really don't give you time to like um, rest. It's like an action movie okay. that's constantly <laughs> yeah having everything going. So that's that's the gospel of Mark, and um, and so chapter two is um, Jesus in the house preaching the word of God, and um, this man is paralyzed, and for his friends, and we, at least we don't even know if they were his friends. Mm -hmm. Um, four people decide to pick up a man, get him to Jesus to get his healing. Mm -hmm. And so this is a very familiar text. Uh, a lot of people know about this story. Um, but uh, I thought it was necessary mm -hmm. because they did something different mm -hmm. in order to get something for someone um, someone else. Mm -hmm. And so that was the pretty much the thesis of, of the sermon on Sunday. Yeah. Um yeah, definitely doing something different for someone else. Because you think about in this text, the highlight is Jesus healing the paralyzed man. But there's two other sets of characters that are in this text. We've got the Pharisees and the mm -hmm. scribes. And then we also have the four men that, that carry them. Talk to us. Uh, who, who are the Pharisees and the scribes? What are they? Who are they? Why are they there? They sound like a bunch of haters. What are, what's... Right, you know, they are religious leaders and from different sects of um, of religion. They know the law, mm -hmm. which is the Torah, understanding Old Testament theology, uh, Old Testament scripture. They know everything, I guess, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, they have to go through this particular training to be considered as a Pharisee. Uh, scribes are those who, you know, were writers, um, trans, of, of like the the um, knowing the law, 
mm-hmm. everything that God had told the children of Israel. So that that's the group that was there to some probably wanted to know was Jesus really who he said he was? Mm-hmm. Some were in opposition of who Jesus was. And then some was just curious about who he is or who he was. Um, then you have these um, four men who were carrying that we don't we know they're nameless. Mm-hmm. And I love when the Bible really does not give names okay. because it allow us to put our names in those situations. Mm-hmm. So can I be the one to carry someone else? Can I take the corner of a mat and help three other people help somebody else mm-hmm. who was in need? And then it was just uh, it was just the crowd. And the crowd was there also. And um, the crowd, um, and, and as in a sermon through through study, you know, Mark he uses the, the term crowd quite a bit yeah. in in his gospel. Um, and he is um, this crowd happened on in Mark chapter one. Jesus was healing people, demon possessed, and those who had sicknesses. He was healing them, and so his um, notoriety and his fame or um, people were knowing who he was and what he was able to do and so if I know you can heal me I'm going to show up because mm. I want you to heal me yeah. and so that's what the, pretty much the characters of this narrative okay. yeah um, and that's that's where we get to doing something different right? Um, and doing it a different way because uh, kind of as you were thinking about the title for this if we're doing it a different way, what is the typical way that we're trying to avert from? Right. Looking at this text particularly, um, and, and I may be jumping ahead, but the basis of developing the title, it came from seeing these men trying to get this one man to Jesus and discovering that they couldn't take the way that they desired. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they desired was to go through the front door and get this man to Jesus, but they couldn't get him there. So therefore, um, they climb on the rooftop, tear the roof off, drop the man down into Jesus. They decided to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the age and the time in which we're living in is requiring us to do a lot of things in a different way. And and if we continue to try to go at this using the same methods we will not be able to survive during this time um if we were only in person and not being virtually our church wouldn't survive right. you know what i'm saying if we if we were only um have to wear a suit to church every sunday mm-hmm. for men and dresses and hats for women if we were doing it that way <laughs> you know it'd be a different church our church would look a different way um, and no, that was the standard. Um, and still, I think we still should be presentable when we come to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but your Sunday best, you know, I don't think it's necessary each week. But but let's do it a different way. Uh, let's do it a different way. Um, you know, the way we were raised, or the the punishments that we endured. Amen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some things that that we had to go through, we learned from it. And now let's not perpetuate the same things that we went through. Let's do it a different way. And so I was speaking to also 
um, like that first time or that first generational college student, mm -hmm. you, you change lives that come after you to say, hey, I can do it, mm -hmm. do it a different way. Or that person that is a, a, a first time home buyer in their family, um, they change wealth. If they you know, take care of their business, they're doing it in a different way because their family had never had that before. Or, 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 or saying, yo, I'm gonna make sure my marriage work when I'm seeing so many marriages in my family not last at all. And we're gonna do it in a different way to make sure it lasts. Mm. So that's what I really, you know, I think I, I was really pointing to church and in personal life yeah. uh, in our spiritual well-being. So, because I talk about you know being in building or being in being at home, or talk about life yourself, you got to make that decision. Do I need to take some different steps to get some different results, or should I continue to do the same thing and get the same thing that I've been getting? Mm -hmm. And then also just looking at families and stuff like that. So, I think that the sermon was trying. I was trying to um, catch everyone spiritually. Uh, trying to catch you in your personal life and then also talking to our church. Um, so we got to look at some different practices because COVID has forced us mm -hmm. into change. Yeah, I think that's a part where in other sermons where you talk to the people, you talk about kind of the what's going on personally as well as spiritually, but kind of bringing it to your own church was almost, as I viewed it, as taboo or bad because mm -hmm. you never want to talk about your own place and your own people so uh i'm sure there are people who are in their seats either in the pews or on their couch who felt a bit uncomfortable almost convicted in a sense of like well he shouldn't be talking about the church like that right. but when you do that it makes it very personal and and that's how we should be with scriptures that is it is very mm -hmm. personal yeah, it was all biblical. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, just looking at it, you know, um, and and then sometimes, you know, you just it required those pastoral sermons mm -hmm. um, where we look at where we are, what we're doing from a biblical perspective, um, and trying to encourage my people to do better. And if I never challenge, or if all my sermons are just to shout people every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And make people run around the church, and you know, I can preach those sermons, those revival sermons. Okay. Yeah, I can do that, um, but then I will have um, weak children yeah. rather than strong disciples. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and so just in that moment, you know, God just was beginning to speak to me. A lot of that is, as you can see, it really wasn't in my notes. Um, it was something leading to it, but it was definitely. Um, inspiration of the Holy Spirit to mm -hmm. to speak in those moments to say, hey, yo, we can we can worship at home, we can worship in the building, but don't be one that obstruct others from getting to Jesus. Yes. Um, by not showing your faith, by by not inviting your out of town guests to church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, and, and so it's just the, those types of things, you know, you know, so so many people just become so comfortable with um, with being at home mm -hmm. um, that they you know um, is it you know, church has not does not have that priority of life anymore. 
that it once had prior to COVID. Yeah, yeah. I think that that shift of being home definitely shifted that that as a priority. And kind of to, you're talking about the desired path, mm-hmm. right? I go to church on Sunday. I think you, you mentioned something about a, a, a heaven checkbox mm-hmm. of attending church. Um, and kind of building on that, you, you talk about a shortcut. Right. and how the path that you intended to go so thinking I'm going to go to the church building well I can't do that because we are in a pandemic so I need to make an adjustment I need to make a shortcut and that the end goal has to have access so that's us being live um, going on live stream mm-hmm. but, but there's a point where in your in your notes here you talk about going at an angle where I think for shortcuts we always assume that it's shorter and quicker and easier but not all angles are acute or small some angles are obtuse so you kind of you may have to go the long way around uh you it may be you know right angle you go straight there it may be squiggly line all of that um to say that i think we're we're opening up and talking about what it means to adjust our spiritual connection Mm -hmm. but yet still striving for what we desire and want because we can find creative ways to do other things get money pay bills go on this trip Mm -hmm. buy these clothes but if our spiritual or church routine is altered it's quickly gone Mm -hmm. and I think that's something like we have the skill set to do it but why how do we make that a priority and an intentional space for people to be in? Yeah, so you know, the desired path was you know, just to talk about how one person decided to take a different route. Mm-hmm. And because that person decided to take a different route, um, others followed and caused grass to not grow in a particular path mm-hmm. in the middle of a field. Because somebody decided to take a different route. And um, and so that's what I was really trying to get to, you know. It's all right to be different. Mm-hmm. It's all right to do different. And if you do decide to do different, you may be making a way for somebody else mm-hmm. and taking that shortcut. Now, now uh, when it comes to, to life, um, or there's no shortcut through Christianity. <laughs> Let me say that. Uh, no, no, the Bible says the way of the Lord is um, narrow, mm. um, but the way of destruction is broad. Mm-hmm. And so we, 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 we understand there's no shortcuts there in our being disciples for Christ, but, but we can um, make a path for others to be able to follow, follow by what we do, mm-hmm. how we live our lives how impactful we are just to be able to help somebody else that may have been taking the long way around. Right. Um, mm. But we can teach them the shortcut. So shortcuts can be taught. Yeah. Okay. So looking into your first point of we have to worship differently, you dive into, you talk about Mark and how Mark says it's the word again, mm-hmm. saying that this isn't Jesus' first time at Capernaum. Capernaum. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, let's, so, 
Jesus came back. Is that something that throughout his ministry he visited cities multiple times? Right. See, again, that's Mark way of writing. Mm. If you look at chapter one, it's just like miracle after miracle, event after event, and then there's no time between Jesus returning. He just says, and again, mm. he visited Capernaum. And so, chapter one, you know, uh, it's just miracles, right? And then Jesus comes out of the uh, the wilderness, um, have this fight with the devil, and he wins by continuing saying, it is written. Mm -hmm. And then um, he, he just do work. He could do ministry. And then it's no, it does not state how long Jesus was gone mm -hmm. and when did he come back. <laughs> it just says, and again, mm -hmm. Jesus was in Capernaum. And so I think that's uh, that's just the, the writing style of Mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this next time that Jesus is in Capernaum, he has this crowd in his house. And we don't know how big this house is. Right. Uh, in my biblical imagination, this is like a cottage house with like a straw roof, um, maybe a couple steps leading up, but it, in front is this dirt path. And you just, you see people overflowing out of it. And um, Jesus is, I don't know, chilling in the kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the counter, <laughs> talking. Right. Right. Uh, so the the impact of crowds uh, you emphasize in, in this note of so crowds followed jesus but they weren't necessarily searching for healing were they were they searching for proof right so um crowds followed jesus looking for what they can get out of it but you never you don't see many say hey i want to be a disciple of jesus of all the crowds that he had there there wasn't uh, what we would consider conversion experiences you know Zacchaeus mm -hmm. um, you know, he was one uh, the rich young ruler came and said hey how can I be a disciple and he said go sell everything he said no I'm good mm -hmm. I'll holler at you you know what I'm saying but, but, there, but it's Mark mentioned crowds so much but it was never the mention of the crowd really committing themselves to the way of Christ it was often as Mark um, as the sermon says it was often the crowd that obstructed others from getting to Jesus the woman with the issue of blood mm. she's walking down the road and she's trying to get to Jesus but the crowd crowd <laughs> no they were on top of him uh, blind Bartimaeus um, he, he, he's trying to get to Jesus because he heard he was coming by and Jesus' entourage or his crowd, the crowds were around him. Um, but it never says these crowds are or were committed to him. Now, after the resurrection, we don't know. They mm -hmm. may have. We simply just don't know. But in these moments of Mark articulating uh, what his vantage point was, is not it's not clear if they were really there um, believing that Jesus was the Christ and the Messiah. And I would challenge if anyone would say that he was because even those who was closest to him really didn't believe it. Yeah. The disciples really didn't believe it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Judas and Peter, um, they really didn't believe he was the Messiah. 
Thomas and when he was resurrected that what it, it took him displaying his hands and his side really was the convincing moments to say oh yeah he's the Christ yeah. he's the Messiah so 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 the crowds may not even believe it but they was there because he was able to do such miracles and feed the people and do all of these things. Yeah, they were kind of like, ooh, you heard that Jesus do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he fed us the other day. He was great. All right. <laughs> uh, you, you bring up a really good point because I don't think I've ever thought about the fact that the disciples, too, may have thought they had, had doubt or question. Like, mm -hmm. they weren't fully faith faithful and faithful believers in Jesus as the Messiah. And that puts it in a bit more perspective, right? Because the disciples tend to be held very highly um, in the church and right. in, in conversations. That we They are regular people. Right. And they're, they're like, yeah, this guy told me to, you know, give him my stuff and walk with him. So I did it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. So, so I think we, we honor more of the apostles. Um, mm. So that's when the change of the Holy Spirit came upon them. Because when we look at the disciples, while they were with Jesus, it was a constant um, condemnation of Christ. How long do I have to be with you, mm. you faithless generation? <laughs> <laughs> how, how long? You know, he's asking these, asking them these questions all the time because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Whenever there was a problem, they always say, "Hey, go get Jesus." Mm. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they become conquerors mm -hmm. rather than cowards. And the Bible says, and they turn the world upside down with the gospel throughout the land. So, so we look at the disciples and oftentimes I say, hey, we can, it's easy for us to judge them now mm. because we're reading the story. What if we were there with them? Right. I think very different lens yes. of being there. Definitely. Yeah, uh, talking about the crowds and doing things different. Yeah, those crowds really kept people from getting close to Jesus. Mm -hmm. The examples that you gave and even here in the text, because if the house is like the image that, that I want it to be, I'd imagine them before coming to the door, like, oh, can we get in? They're like, no, nah, I was here first. Right. No, 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 go, go around the back, mm -hmm. or, or I want my kid healed first. Mm -hmm. So thinking of all of the different lives that are present and where their mind is of, I want my need filled, and being selfish in those moments versus being selfless, like those four. And thinking of, I, I can't think of any right now, maybe you have some in your pastoral wisdom of ways where crowds interfere with our current lives yeah you know social media mm. um, social media is the most crowded place uh, with the most opinions uh, mm. about everything or anything that you post or anything that you've done in life and people see and so oftentimes people allow um, those platforms to influence their lives in such a way um, that they have to have um, some type of connection there 
what am I doing? Are people approving of me on social media platforms? Mm -hmm. um, not only that, but families. Yeah. Um, you know, some people don't even like going to family reunions or family mm -hmm. cookouts because like, oh, you 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 thirty five? When you get married? Uh. <laughs> mm. uh, when, when, <laughs> did I bring up something? I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I caused any trauma. My mom oh. wants to know this one. Oh, <laughs> or, or, or what are you doing with your degree? I know some people just, you got to get a degree now. What are you doing with it and yes. stuff? And so the, those are crowds, um, not people that are trying to help you, mm -hmm. but people that only look at you and judge you um, for for uh, what you're doing and not trying to say, hey, let me help you get to what you need to be. Yeah, as, as you were explaining it, I, I was thinking of... Um, sports analogy so I, I work in college athletics and I think of the crowds we use professional sports because I feel a different way about college sports so if we're we're based in Wisconsin so you've got the Packers the Bucks and the Brewers you have all these people in the crowd in the audience who have an opinion about how you are playing oh yes run the ball run the ball <laughs> why didn't he shoot it because yeah. he was on the other side of the court it yeah. wouldn't make sense um, but with with that crowd and everyone's got an opinion, and you you can't you can't please everybody, but no one's helping you mm -hmm. get to where you need to go. Right. There's always a level of criticism. I think the another question is like how do you how do you remove yourself from that, right. especially if it's your place of employment? Mm -hmm. I know. Also, you know being a pastor too. Nah, and preaching, you. preaching on school. No, no, no. Don't get me started, CT. Right. But you know, you know, it's, you'll never please everyone. Yeah, that would never happen. Um, I think you have to focus on just being the best you. Mm -hmm. um, I think I said this before. I know I've said it before. No, no one should ever beat you at being you. Right. Um, and, and you have to be your authentic self at all times, no matter what. Because if you don't, people will take advantage of you and then you'll live in misery because you're not fulfilling what you think people are thinking about you rather than just doing what God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. So yes, you just got to be yourself. Yeah, you do. And just deal with, deal with the consequences of being you. Good or bad. Yeah. I could spend more time on yeah, that. Yeah, we, 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 we got to keep moving. Yeah, we got to keep moving. <laughs> uh, so your second point, I was talking about discover a different way to care for others. And you, you, all, you all can't see it, but, but this is, I spend a lot of time on my notes in this area uh, because I, I found it so, so, so fascinating, so uh, like intellectually stimulating thinking about these, these four men. We don't know their relationship to right. the paraplegic man. We it could they all could have known him. One one man could have just walked by and seen him, and these are his his buddies. Mm -hmm. They could have been brothers. We don't, or just complete strangers who decided they wanted to do some good that day. So we don't know their relationship, but we know that they come together and do something that benefits someone else. Mm -hmm. And from our previous conversation, if you haven't heard it, check back from last time. When we talked about Esther and she asked her people, her Jewish people, to fast for her before she went to go to the king. They do not benefit from that mm -hmm. at all. 
And we don't see, we don't have a number of those people. Right. We have a number for these four, so it's, it's a bit more intimate right. in, in that space. Um, so just thinking about like how, how God uses people to get us in spaces so that we can receive our healing. Right. Yo, I'm 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 using my my also biblical imagination to suggest um, normally when in the Bible we see when people are paralyzed, when they are sick, when they have some type of ailment, they're put in the same places. Mm-hmm. Like they're segregated. Like outside the gate. Outside the gate or they're segregated into um, pool and Bethesda, mm-hmm. um, they're segregated to a place. So I'm assuming that the four other men, this is just my assumption here, had an encounter with Jesus mm-hmm. in Mark chapter 1. Okay. Because Mark chapter 1 it says, and he healed those who had various diseases and who were demon possessed. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that they had to have an encounter with Jesus to do so much for this man just to get to Jesus. They wouldn't stop. At all. You know what I mean? And, and, and so they understood the compassion of Christ. They understood the power of Christ. And they understood the abilities of Christ in such a way that they decided we're not stopping until we get this man to Jesus. So I'm assuming... This wasn't in my sermon. It was in my notes. Uh, (laughs) I am assuming that they had an encounter with Jesus at such a high level that they said, hey, hey amen, we have to get you there. Mm. So when they when they get him there, they're faced with these obstacles that they they just totally ignore. And they make a way desired path. Where there, <laughs> where there is no way, you you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and so they make a way to get him to Jesus, and I and I, I'm I'm really assuming that they had to have had some form of encounter with Christ themselves, and and that's the same for us. We know what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. We know how God has blessed us. We know the power of prayer. We know how prayer really does change things, and because we know this. When someone is ill, when someone is sick, when someone is in despair, we know how to get them to Jesus. Mm. Because we, and then we know Jesus is able to heal and deliver and set free because he's done it for us. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so my passion and my tenacity and my fortitude is not by happenstance. It's because I've experienced Jesus myself. And I know what you need. I'm trying not to preach, but I'm feeling this thing. No, I know what you need. And I know what you what you need to get through what you're going through. So 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 I'm not going to give up until I get you to Jesus. Mm. And so that's that's my assumption. That's my hermeneutic uh, uh, assumption of what's going on here in this text. These men had to have experienced Jesus in some form or shape that they desire to get this man to Jesus. That's a. I like that take on it because like they stopped at nothing where other people may be like, Hey, yo, we, we tried, we try. you know, hang out by the steps. Maybe right. you'll see Jesus on the way out. Right. But they, 
like the, the fact that they burrowed into somebody's house. First of all, <laughs> the fact that they just decided, you know what? We're going in through the roof. Bro, bring We're the shovel. We're tearing it off. <laughs> Getting you to Jesus today, buddy. You won't get to Jesus you gonna, today. You're gonna get you today. Yeah, so so these houses, the makeup were they're pretty much mud houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rooftops were pretty much platforms. Okay. Um, like a porch or something. That they mm-hmm. go and then they had stairs that lead up where they can just go up there and chill out or whatever. Um, like we see this in Acts chapter ten when Peter sees this vision. Of all the animals coming down, and God saying everything is good, and not just and God has not made anything unclean, and and so so that that's what these mud houses, uh, and it's like a platform on the top, and so and then no, I've been in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I'm seeing these type of homes and stuff people still live in okay. today that's made mostly from mud and all that type of stuff, and so this, you know, they got up there and went to that's what. I was gonna put that in my sermon too. They just broke into somebody else's house, right? Um, and it wasn't for them. It was to ensure that somebody else get on their feet, and that that was just, and that and that was that was the basis of their their um, getting this man to Jesus. Yeah, all all of that. And that it reminds me of a, of a song. It's the chorus. It's very simple. It's just every time you bless, I'm gonna bless somebody else. Mm-hmm. And to, I like the thought that these four men encountered Jesus in some other way. Right. And they saw the power. And they were like, yo, <laughs> he did this for me. Right. He can do this for you. And I want this for you, whoever you are. And at times, I think, as believers, we only will go that far for people we know. Right. My mama, my brother, my dad, mm-hmm. my sister my homie, my teacher, people that I have a direct connection with because now I can feel the blessing Mm -hmm. of what I've done, but that going across the street and talking to the person I don't know or engaging in a space that I'm uncomfortable in, that we don't like to operate in that. Right. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it too. It's a scary place. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Said all the time, it's it's easier for us to raise money than it is to get people to evangelize. Because mm-hmm. people, I can I can get a hundred dollar, but can I get you to walk with me to knock on the door and explain your faith to somebody? It's challenging. It is. Um, it's challenging though, um, because you know you don't know how people will respond. Um, sometimes you don't know the answers to the questions that they ask, so you be fearful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, God has really called us even to this in this time to be that 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 person to say, hey, I care about you, and let me do this in a different way than what I've normally done before. Yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah. So looking at your at your third point. So let's worship differently. Let's care for others differently. Or that's not the third point, but finally, <laughs> we see a different way to receive blessings. Mm-hmm. I, I thought you could receive blessings in any type of way. What, what right. makes it different? This right here, this story was just different. Um, okay. and, and, and I searched through all commentaries mm-hmm. to figure out why did Jesus heal this man? Mm-hmm. Um, why did he forgive him before he healed him? 
Yes, the order. That that that's that's you know that was the struggle, and many commentaries you know commentaries are just people who read the Bible, and they have more time than somebody else <laughs> <laughs> to study and research. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, but 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 I've read I read through many commentaries and I, and no one really knew why. Why would Jesus fix his heavenly relationship with God and restore it? before he restored his physical condition. Um, we understand that oftentimes, at least, um, repentance precedes forgiveness. Mm -hmm. that, I, that I tell you I'm sorry, but Jesus was coming to say, I'm doing this a different way. Mm -hmm. because, because all of us, all of us have received grace from God. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. God demonstrated his love in that way. So he already forgave us, but we still have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. This man is lowered down. And when he's lowered down, the Bible said, and Jesus saw their faith. Mm. He saw the faith of those who were carrying the man. And he says, because of your faith, my son, I missed this on Sunday. He calls the man son. Mm. Which is a family relationship. Yes. And they're saying, you know, um, I grew up without a dad, and my pastor back home, when he calls me son, it's just I like I feel special. You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it, it went, you know, my dad literally said I was not his and had nothing to do with mm -hmm. me. Maybe this was the same situation for this man. That he was in a, in a place where nobody wanted him. Everybody had left him out. And maybe he had done something. We don't know what sin he had committed. Maybe he had done something that separated him from family. And, and when he sees Jesus, the first thing Jesus calls him is son. What joy. What grace. What love. Yeah. But then tells him your sins are forgiven. And notice... The man never challenges what Jesus says. No. He never said, well, sins what? What did I do? Mm -hmm. So he understood what Jesus was talking about, even though everybody else did not. No. Right? He, he said, your sins are forgiven. Maybe he had been holding some, some guilt, some shame, something that he had done. Uh, maybe maybe that had, he had been holding that. And then Jesus, Jesus was able to heal him after he forgives him. So I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it, it is great to see. You know, maybe Jesus was just trying to show his purpose for coming. Mm. That sickness, disease, um, destruction, danger, crises will always be on earth. Mm -hmm. But salvation only comes through Christ. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. That forgiveness can only come through Christ. Make that's I don't know, and so that that's that's what I have a whole lot of notes on that back at back home. So I'm wondering how to present this, how to allow the people to see what Jesus does in the text, and how does it relate unto today, relate to us today. When I so what I think, you know, Jesus was saying, let me fix your heavenly relationship with God before I fix your temporary mm -hmm. issue with walking, because your heavenly relationship will be eternal. Yeah. What you're walking down here on earth is only temporary. 
So I want to do something that's going to last long rather than something only lasts for a little while. Right. And so I think that was very important to the text and helping us understand what Jesus was doing by forgiving the man first. Mm. And that's what many of us need to know that we have been forgiven. Yes. Because we've done some things. We've wronged some people. Oftentimes we talk about how people have treated us, but we never say how, we, how we've treated people. Mm. And so we've wronged some people. We've said some things. We've done some things. We, 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 we are the ones that should be also held accountable. And so sometimes we carry that guilt and we carry that shame. We carry that feeling defeated. But Jesus is saying, hey, um, you're forgiven. Then he heals his, his body. So yeah. that's why I say a different way of receiving the blessing. Now, now we, we know Hezekiah Walker. Any way you bless me, I'll be satisfied. You know that song? I've heard it. Okay. So any way you bless me, I'm cool with it. <laughs> no, no, no blessings come. We say blessings comes in multiple forms and stuff. Uh, I'm cool with the way you bless me. But this particular text, he just does it in a different way. We don't see Jesus forgiving anybody else. Matter of fact, when Jesus is on the cross, he says, what? Father, you forgive them. Oh. Because they know not, <laughs> they know not what they do. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? But but then no. Also, people, uh, the commentators suggest that Jesus was just trying to prove that he was God in the flesh. Yeah. Because they said, who who else can do this but God? Only God can forgive sin. Yeah. And Jesus said, hey, what what do you what do you want me to say? Rise up and walk. Done that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, well, so what you want me to say? And then he said, okay, I'll say it. Get up, take your mat, and walk. Yeah. So, so that's what I think um, this, that's why this miracle was so unique. Because even Jesus decides to do something different in the way he blessed the man. Mm. And, yeah. So G if Jesus is capable of doing something different. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to leave that. There. Leave that right Don't <laughs> leave that. There. Yeah, leave that right there. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> The ancient of days, right. who's been around since eternity, can decide to do something different. Truly, we can decide to do something different. Ah, CT, that's a sermon right there, Dre. Yeah, make put that yeah. I uh, give you credit the first time I do it. I love those ministers. Hey, if I <laughs> preach it at the church you attend, I give you credit. If I preach it somewhere else, I the Lord. Okay, the Lord told me. <laughs> uh, so he, so Jesus. He tells this man to pick up his mat mm -hmm. after he after he forgives him and heals him. And I think it's so interesting that this man, I'm sure he, he was thinking, and I, you spoke to this. What do I need that mat for? Right. I'm not. I don't need to sit on it anymore. Right. I don't need to be on it. And we can we can only assume what the mat looks like because <laughs> we don't we don't we right. don't know how long this man has been paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Has he been paralyzed for months, years? Is this an accident? Like we don't we don't know um, that part or anything about how he got his resources or anything like that. So we don't know what this map looks like. And the fact that he probably was like, yeah, I don't need this. It's probably heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely dirty, right. um, worn. Um, but it, but Jesus tells him to carry it. Right. Like that's your testimony. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have some sort of scar or right. or a mats so, something is our mat that we carry around as as our testimony and so before we leave out i wanted to ask you 
do you carry a piece with you that is a testimony? Yeah, like I said, you know, for me is um, fatherlessness. Mm. That's, well, don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just my thing, you know. Um, yeah. It has pushed me to be the best that I can be in every area of life. And, um, and sometimes it, it pushes me out of control. Mm. That um that I'm I'm still trying to please my dad and show my worth mm. even though he is dead and gone. And so that's my scar. Um that's something that I struggle with a lot. Um and but it no, I'm not afraid to show it because I know because of it I've become a better man. Mm. Um and so that that's my scar and um and uh, and I take that with me. And I use it continually every day as motivation to be the best dad I can, to be the, to my children, um, be the best husband I can be to my wife, um, be the best pastor I can be to, to my church, but most importantly, to be the best servant mm. I can be unto my God and understand that God is my father. So that's, that's the mat I carry with me, um, that, that if you look at so many statistics, they blame fatherlessness on so many things that happen to the African-American community. Um, but when you're able to overcome those challenges, uh, when you're able to do the work necessary and to achieve um, um, so much more than what's expected, but you know what God has called you to do, I can still walk in the place and say, hey, I grew up without a dad mm -hmm. because that's the mat I'm carrying. Mm -hmm. And that's my testimony that I'm still who God has designed me to be. Amen. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Uh, that any any other parting thoughts? No, that's it. That was pretty that, cool. That was a good way to, to end it. Thank you for joining us for MTZ Overflow. Continue to look for more podcasts with our wonderful pastor as well as some other guests. Um, have a wonderful day and stay marvelous, fabulous, and blessed. Amen. Peace.